that you are with us. And if you are a first-time guest this morning, what a great way, even though it's not the new year quite yet, it's a great way to start off the year. We're glad that you're with us. We want to bring you a, a, a gift. Uh, if you're a first-time guest to HBF, uh, and, uh, just raise your hand uh, discreetly. We'll come to you. We'll try not to embarrass you or point you out. Uh, if you know someone next to you is a first-time guest, you can raise your hand loud and proud for them, and they can bring it to you, and you can give it to them. Uh, and if you are like, man, I am not raising my hand in public, that's cool. Uh, on the way out at the connections counter, we will still have a gift for you, and they will be glad to give you that on the way out the door. We're glad that you came uh, to join us this morning uh, for our service. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, I am excited. This is our fifth Sunday. So on our fifth Sunday, we uh, traditionally, um, as is our custom, we observe the Lord's Supper. And uh, a few years ago, when we were running two services, we we always made sure that uh, we we combined as one service, but we focused on uh, in the early service on uh, God's heart for the church and then God's heart for the world. And so today, as we come to the end of 2023, and we have the last, we get to celebrate the last day together, which is really cool. Uh, as we get ready for the new year, uh, we're still on track with uh, celebrating all of that and God's combining into one service and make, made it very efficient for us. So we praise the Lord for that. And I'm looking forward to hearing from our missionary, uh, uh, Justin Bedwell. Uh, he's, uh, well, technically he's not our missionary yet, but he's come to introduce his field to you. Uh, Justin is uh, serving in the field of Zambia, Africa, and he was serving down in the Tonga-speaking region where uh, Joseph Hayden is at. And uh, initially when I was talking Tonga translation projects, it was actually with Justin initially. He was the one that was, was firing me up about getting that Tonga translation going, and then Joseph is... Uh, also, obviously, a part of that, and we're working and still going forward with that. But without telling all of Justin's business, he's transitioning uh, north and northeast up near Chapada, north of there, into a region that's not as reached. And I'm excited to hear from Justin and Mandy. Thank you, Mandy, for joining us. And, and uh, I guess your son is in the children's ministry right now, so I hope he's having a blast of his life and uh, enjoying They've had a very busy week as they've been in at Focus, at the Mission Focus Conference up at Midtown, of course, and, uh, and Lee Summit as well. And, uh, and so everybody's been busy this week, so I just uh, I hope that they can catch their breath before they keep moving on. But they're on, a, they're on a mission to continue to raise support and spread the news about what they're doing in Zambia, Africa. And I'm excited to have Justin come and preach to us and share his field this morning. So give him some love as he comes to, to preach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How are y'all doing this morning? All right. So again... My name is Justin, and uh, my wife Mandy and David is in y'all's children's ministry this morning, and we have been on the uh, field for a total of three years. Um, When we first committed to go uh, to Zambia, um, after six months of being married, which that's not advisable to anybody, (laughs) that was a very tough year, but we went to um, intern our survey trip with someone y'all are very familiar with, uh, Dan and Janice Jalowick. And um, so we spent our first year on the field with them. Um, and the idea was to go and learn um, on the field and let God come, you know, confirm in us that's where we're supposed to be, but also learn from seasoned veteran missionaries. And uh, and that's what we did. We we went and learned from them, you know, the the things of Zambia and everything, because everything was new uh, to us. This is a picture of our family. Um, then the bottom left picture is uh, how David spends most of his Sunday mornings, uh, sitting on the on the pulpit with his little friends, 
um, and everything that he's made, he has probably adjusted to Zambia way of living better than anyone, better than Mandy and I. Um, but that's all he's known. He moved, uh, we moved back in September of 21 um, to the southern province, a uh, chiefdom called uh, Nyawa. We actually lived in the village um, with the people, and um, he moved there at 14 months old. So there was a lot of people asking us and telling us we were crazy for taking a 14-month-old to live in the village. Um, but like you can see, he probably adapted better than any of us. Um, so the last two years, we've been uh, serving alongside of another um, a, a colleague missionary down there. And uh, go to the next slide right quick. So this is the statistics over the last two years uh, through our ministry. There's been 286 people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And uh, those are 286 people that personally met with either myself or my wife or one of the people in the uh, in the ministry to get assurance of their salvation. Uh, there was three village churches planted. Um, what that means is physical buildings built. I know the building isn't the church, but much like us in America, they need, you know, they, they look at that church as their church. They own it. And um, so there was three churches planted, buildings built, men that were trained to oversee those flocks. And um, there was four additional Bible studies that were started. Now, they may or may not become become churches. You know, we don't force anything on them because if you did, the minute we left, they'd go do whatever they wanted to anyways. So they need they we we do our best to try to get them to own it um, through sweat, through ec- the sweat equity and. You know, it's something that the Lord wanted them to have there. Uh, if you go to the next next slide right quick. Uh, so these are just three of the men that were uh, that were saved, you know, part of that 286. And uh, I want to share a story about the one to the left. Uh, his name is uh, Joseph. When uh, early on, probably right after we got there, uh, Joseph lives in a city called Livingston um, down in the southern province where we had to go to get our supplies. So we lived in the village, but we had to travel two hours to go to the grocery store, to go get fuel, to anything that you can think in your mind that I need to live, we had to drive to Livingston to get it. And uh, so I was, I dropped our vehicle off to get worked on one day, and I was walking back uh, to the place we were staying at, and uh, this guy came walking up beside me asking me for peace work. Peace work is just uh, work that, you know, they do daily to get money to live on. Um, we didn't live there, so I didn't have any peace work. But um, I did the, you know, the Christian thing. You know, do you know Jesus? Where do you go to church? You know, and I, I had everything on my mind that day that I needed to get done so we could get back out to the village. And uh, so I was walking along, and I, I made a, a left, and I told him bye, and I make a left to go to the, the uh, place we were staying at, and I don't know if the Holy Spirit has ever almost audibly talked to you. But immediately, he said, why are you even here? And uh, immediately, I knew what I had done. And uh, as odd as it looks for a large American guy to start running after his Ambien, <laughs> that's what happened. Now, I chased him down, and I'm like, hey, hey, stop. I need to, I need to ask you some more questions. And... Um, you know, I, I got out my phone. I didn't have my Bible with me. I got out my phone and I said, you know, if you'd have died last night, where would you be at today? He's like, I, w- I hope heaven. 
And I said, well, why? Why do you hope? And he said, well, I'm still working on my relationship with God. And immediately I knew he wasn't saved. Um, so I put, like I said, I pulled out my phone and uh, I, I just literally went through the Romans road with him, which he had never heard before. And this guy is someone who plays the drums in the church that he attends on Sunday morning. And uh, so I led him to Christ and um, uh, I got him, I told him, I said, you need to stop going to the church you're going to. And uh, I got him plugged in with uh, a, a fellow uh, Livingston Fundamental Baptist Church, a fellow uh, uh, missionary friend of ours that, uh, that has a church there in town. You know, I got him plugged in there. I, I, I say this story to tell you it doesn't matter whether you're in Zambia, Harrisonville, Decatur, Alabama, or where, we all fail. We all miss those opportunities. And it's not that you miss the opportunities, what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to, what you're going to do next. Um, so go to the next uh, slide. You know, Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him or they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The preacher it's talking about right here is not the man that stands behind this pulpit. It's all of us born-again believers in Jesus Christ outside of these four walls. Outside in your community, outside in our community, outside in, you know, where, wherever he has you at that day. Um, so I just want to challenge you this morning to, to, to be that preacher when, you, when you're out in your daily lives. Don't fail like I did. And if you do fail, the next time get it right. God is the God of many chances. And uh, he wants us to share his, 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 his gospel. He wants us to build his kingdom. Go to the next one. So I want to tell you a little bit about what Mandy has been doing. Um, obviously, if she was on, up here, she would tell you her first ministry is myself and my son. You know, because like I said, we live two hours away from the gr nearest grocery store, which means we live two hours away from the nearest fast food restaurant, which there aren't any of those. But... Yeah, at restaurant. So if she doesn't cook, we don't eat. And, um, you know, we, so she, her first ministry is us. And she would tell you that right off. But one of the things that she has been doing is when, uh, she was, she got, noticed the need for the ladies in the church, that there was nobody concentrating on, on them specifically. So she gathered some from a couple of different churches and brought them to one and just started asking them questions. Uh, one of the things she realized is they knew the story of, of Joseph. They knew the story of, of Noah. They knew the story of David. They knew the story of Christ. But they had no idea how to put them together. You know, we take that for granted, being at parts of churches like Heartland and Decatur Baptist and Midtown, that that's, that is ingrained in us, is how to study the Bible. But they didn't know. So she um, wrote a curriculum uh, just a creation to Christ in uh, 30 in 34 lessons, you know, from creation all the way through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, ending with cost of discipleship. Um, and over the last year and a half, she's been teaching these ladies not only that, but training several of them to actually take it back to their churches to continue doing that. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. And these are some of the ladies that, that she uh, personally discipled. Uh, the one to the left is uh, the headman's wife. 
which the head man, if you're not familiar with a village setting, is like the mayor of the village, um, per se. And um, so she uh, discipled her. The one in the middle, her name is Mary. You know, she's the second wife of, of her husband. You know, in the province or in the province that we lived in, the polygamy is rampant. You know, we can go into a village and I can almost guarantee you 50% of the men in that village has more than one wife. And um, it's not that way in everywhere in Zambia, just really with the Tonga people. And um, I mean, I can go, I've seen anywhere from obviously two to upwards of seven wives that these men have, which makes it very difficult to find someone to train for to be a pastor. Um, obviously, that is a qualification that you, you'd have to, you know, husband of one wife. Um, the one to the, the right, um, her name is drawing a blank. Gosh. Malaya. <laughs> her name is Malaya. And, uh, she is, she actually one of Mandy's translators that, uh, she's worked with. Um, and she also has a multiple wife story to where she was purchased as a young girl, um, to a man and literally sold for just dollars. Um, and then she was able to um, work and, and buy her way out of that because that is not something that she wanted. And that's not something that that she knew that God wanted. And um, so she she bought she did piecework, bought her way out of that. And, um, you know, as they is, was serving in the ministry, not only translating, but teaching other women and, and things like that. Go to the next one. Uh, this is uh, Muila and the one on the right, her name is Memory. These are just two other ladies that, that Mandy uh, discipled and to go back to their churches and, uh, and continue teaching other women. So in, in the ministry as a whole, there's 50, there was 15 churches. And uh, so you, these women were from different, um, different one of those churches, so they would be able to be discipled and go uh, to their um Perspective church and, and continue teaching, teaching the women. Go ahead. Uh, so these are two of the con- or two of the churches that um, that were planted. The one on the uh, the one on the left is Samuba uh, Baptist Church. The man in the red, white, and blue right there is the pastor. They um, don't have a picture of the church building, but that was what they met in before the church was actually built. Uh, just your typical stick building with a tarp. Um, over the top uh, to protect from the the sun and the rain and things like that. The one on the bottom right is Wachilla Baptist Church, and that is not a typical congregation that meets. I was when I put that picture in there, the, that's the only one I had of that church, and uh, there's about 700 people there that night. That was the night that we dedicated the church, and obviously when you have an event with food, everybody shows up. So that's exactly what happened that night. We were expecting, you know, a couple of hundred and ended up being 700 people showed up. So, um, so yeah, it was very packed crowd. But normally the churches that, that are out there have anywhere from 50 to 80 people. And I just didn't want y'all thinking all our churches had 700 people showing up on Sunday morning. Because uh, that's, not, that's not the case. Now, not, not that we don't want that, but that's just not the case. Um, go to the next one. So one of my main roles the past two years was to uh, train and continuous 
education, trained the, the pastors that were there when we joined the ministry, and then also trained the new ones. One of the ways I did that was pastors' conferences uh, did about four times a year. And uh, we would have all of the pastors and leaders come in and uh, teach on uh, a topic. I kind of built it up. This was the one this past May, and uh, a team from Community Fellowship in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, um, Jay Shug, for some of you that are at Midtown Open Mission Focus, you heard him speak, and uh, he's the man that led me to Christ and discipled me. So, um, so he he brought a team over, and for four days we he went verse by verse through the Book of Acts, and uh, as you can imagine, that was like drinking from a fire hose. And uh, but that was on purpose because after they left, I was able to take that curriculum and reteach it to where. It truly sunk in. I don't know about you, but for me, I always learn more the second time I, do, I, I take a class or the second time I go over it. Um, you know, knowing some of the information, but truly able to absorb what's what it is. So that's what we did. And that's how I set those up. I, I met in each one of the pastors every week. So I was able to go to them and, and help them uh, through through things that they have in their church through things that they have in there, you know, going on. Um, one of the quick stories, you know, I, one of the ways that I realized that uh, that I wasn't in America anymore. You know, you, you, you know that, but there are things that happen that you realize, man, I'm, I'm not in America anymore. I had one of my pastors come up and, uh, and tell me. He came up and he's like, I've got a problem. So, you know, what's, what's going on? He said, the, 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 uh, music director or they call choir master he he has sinned and i need to get him to step down i'm like well what did he do and he said he stole his wife i'm like what (laughs) how do you steal a wife (laughs) like it's a person how do you steal her and uh he said he went in at night and, and took her and they and they went to get married i said did she want to go with him and yes he did she he she did i said so she eloped I said, we have a we have a term for that in America, and people do that all the time, and it's no problem. So quickly, I had to realize that I had to look at it in, obviously, without thinking, I look at it in an American culture. But then I had to look at it in Zambian culture and a biblical culture. So, and if it really wasn't anything wrong with it biblically, I needed to let him deal with it in the Zambian culture that he is, that he is from. So that's one thing that, you know, I helped them, helped the leaders realize you know, there's there's a biblical culture, there's a biblical way of, of looking at things, but there's also a, you know, how do you deal with those in a day-to-day basis as the as the pastor of the church? Uh, go ahead and the next one. So these are just three of the three of the pastors that we have. Uh, the one on the left is uh, Obed. Um, if you see our table out there, the the knives, uh, he's actually the one that made those, and um, I, I helped him actually get an outlet to the. To, when he made those to attack in Livingston to a guy that sells to tourists, um, you know, having him a, have, helping him have a way of a different income than just farming. Um, the one on the top right is uh, Pastor Daka, and then um, on the bottom right is uh, Pastor or Pastor Peter. He's actually the one, the pastor of Wachilla Baptist Church, one with all the people in it. Um, just wanted to show you some of the pastors part of the ministry. Go ahead to the next one. You know, obviously, when you're when you're on the field, you do humanitarian things. 
Um, one of the things is we, we tried to help the, the local schools as much as we could. Um, that's just one of the ones right down the road from our house. We gave them some soccer balls and some things like that. Um, the one, on the, the picture on the bottom left is, you know, I had to get used to buying fuel from this guy, you know, on the side of the road that uh, when I couldn't make it, couldn't drive that two hours to go to town. And um, the one on the top left is something that definitely took me a minute to get used to. Being in the village, you obviously um, ha- come across things that uh, things that you're not used to. Um, one of those is previously to us getting there, my colleague would, uh, if there was a child that passed away in the village, he would build the casket. And um, so shortly after we got there, there was a little eight-month-old girl that passed away in the village, and he and the father came up and wanted us to build the you know, ask us to help him with the casket. And so we would, we were sitting there building this casket for this little girl all the while while my son was sitting there beside me. And, um, it took me a while to get used to that. I did, we've done that several times since then, but the, the first time that it happened, you know, so we took the casket, took it to the house, um, of this little girl and placed the body in there. And, uh, as you can imagine, when, when someone dies in the village, whether it be a child or an adult, they get them in the ground very quickly. Um, within sometimes they within the same day, but most of the time it's the next day they're they're burying um, the body. So go to the next. Uh, one of the other things that we did is we put benches in all of the churches. Normally we would not do that, just because we tried to get the the people of the church to have as much buy in as they could as we could. So we helped them out little, but. If they had buy-in to the church, that means they took care of the church. That means whenever the uh, the Westerners leave, they continued. But this was a special circumstance. As you can see, you have the little girl with her hands up. Uh, one day that she went in the into the church and sat down on, you know, I know many of you have been to Zambia. You have the, you know, those logs sitting on the ground or maybe have some bricks there that hold them up. Well, she sat down, put her hand under the, under the log and a cobra bit her on the hand. And, uh, so we met my colleague and I was like, well, we've got to, we've got to do something. So we raised money through, you know, American churches and things like that to put benches in there. And, uh, it's not that the benches keep the snakes out, obviously, but it's a proper place for them to sit where you can actually see under there. Um, you know, see if there's anything under that. So that's what we, that's what we did. Go to the next slide. Um, when we when we go into a village, you see the uh, you know you play the Jesus film. You know it's a many of you I'm sure have have experienced that, but it's a film of the the life of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. And it was in Tonga, so yes, it was like a, a bad Japanese film where the mouth doesn't match the, the the words and everything. But they they loved it. They loved it. They I mean it's just like the event that I was telling you about dedicating the church when you have one of those, you have hundreds of people come to see it. Um, you know, they may or may not, you know, actually be part of the Bible study. Most won't, but they, they show up for that, that film just because they don't ever get anything like that. And the farther in the village you go to, you go, the more you, the more they don't see stuff like that. Um, on to the right up there, it's a, you know, a place that most, or one of the churches, Actually, uh, one of the churches, that's where they would get their water at. 
you know, the water for bathing and cooking and drinking. Um, actually, just recently, we were able to put a borehole at that church uh, to service not only the church, but the surrounding village. You know, we tried to put the borehole in the on the church property to service the church, but also to help them with the village, because the village is going to come to the church to get the water. And it just helps the pastor uh, be able to minister to not only the church, but the, the surrounding village. Um, one of the other things that, that uh, I got the privilege of doing was baby dedications. I had never done one before I went to Zambia. And, um, you know, when we got there, they obviously they want the missionary to do that. And uh, there's also a, a a church, a religion per se, that's there. It's called New Apostolic. And they believe in sprinkling babies to seal them. And uh, so when they first asked me to do that, I had a real hard time because I, I had to, you almost had to make a, a whole nother a sermon and preach to them saying, this is not salvation. And the times that David was with me, which was often, I would pull him up on stage or up on the uh, pulpit and, and explain to them that we did this to David when he was a baby. And this was not salvation. This is this is just you, the parents dedicating them, the baby to the Lord and dedicating to 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 raise him or her through the, to the Lord. So that's what we we would do. And then they that cultural thing hit again. You know, the first time I did it, you know, there was there's usually a uh, like a, a, a line of older ladies that stand right here. And um, so you dedicate the baby, you pray and then you hand it off to this first lady. And the first time I did this, she took the baby and just started throwing him up in the air and shaking him. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you are going to kill this kid. And um, it's just but it was something culturally that they did. I don't know why, but uh, but they did. And I'm thinking it's a good thing you're not in America because you'd be arrested. And um, but uh, but that's what they you know, that's culturally something that they would do. And they would sing, you know, the songs and everything like that. And um, but, you know, we we got past that. And to my knowledge, there's no kids that have been hurt or any in any way from that. <laughs> but uh, go to the next one. You know, we tried to get uh, David involved as much as we possibly could in the ministry. Um, you know, it's he has a unique opportunity to grow up in Zambia. Um, he, he's, you know, there's all there's a lot of things that he's not able to do because he's not living living in America. But there's so many things that he he gets to experience, and we tried to get him involved as much as we could. This is a picture of him giving some uh, Christmas gifts to the pastors at the. Uh, at one of those conferences that I was telling you about, and then there, uh, uh, David and I at the borehole or the you know the local borehole around our house to you know pumping the water. He would love that. He loves to go and do that, and uh, they love to see him. They oftentimes see um, Makua people, grown-ups. They very rarely see Makua babies. Makua is uh, Tonga for. Westerner or, or white person or, or something like that. And, um, but they always wanted to see David. The kids wanted to play with his hair. They, they just don't ever see, you know, American children, uh, like that. So they love to see him. Go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, this is a, a picture of just the, the leaders that we had in our, in the ministry. Um, and, uh, like I said, when I first got there, I knew we would be coming on a, 
a furlough coming back. So I, I picked, you know, two or three of those guys to, to actually pour more into and um, teaching them not only what they have, but also teaching them how to take this material and, and teach the other pastors that were coming along. You know, I did this because we were coming on a fur, I knew we would be coming on this uh, furlough home, but the Lord actually had other plans. You know, so I had, I put men in place, um, to take my role when we left. And the reason we, we did that is because, go ahead. Is when we go back, we'll be relocating to a town called Mfue. And the population of this town is right at 59 to 60,000 people. And what we're going to do is we're going to plant, go back and plant a church in this town. Uh, it's the southernmost city of the province of Muchinga. And, uh, in the, in this town, there's, there's not really, there's not a gospel presence that we would agree with. Not that there's not churches. There's not a gospel presence that we would agree with. Um, and there's a, there's a mosque in the, in the town, which the Islam is pressing heavy going, coming from Malawi and going, going west. Um, so the plan is to, to plant a church in this, in this town and train men out of this church to not only, uh, service the villages that surround it, but to go to, uh, other cities that's in the, uh, in the province. And if you go to the next, next slide there. So the, the yellow enclosure is the, is the province of Machinga. There are a couple of, um, ministries that, that we're aware of in some of the, the, uh, the cities on the, on the left side, the west side. Uh, so we're gonna concentrate on Mfue, which is the southernmost, and then the ones on the right, which, uh, just outside of that is Lundazi, and then at the top is, a, a, a city called Mafinga. And it's literally M-A-F-I-N-G-A, Mafinga. <laughs> and, um, but that's where we're, you know, that's what the Lord has called us and opened the door for us to do. And, um, you know, what I want to do, what I want to do right now is I want to, you know, we've shown you what the Lord has called us to do, the open door. You know, our pastor, uh, my, my pastor, Joe McKeg, he would say, if you are going to move ministries, if you're going to transition somewhere, you need three things. You need an open door, you need scripture, and you need the approval of leadership. Um, and so I want to show you what, how the Lord has, you know, how he led us and showed us through scripture, uh, that this is how we were going to, uh, so the, the, uh, scripture is actually on the screen. You can turn to it in your Bible if you'd like, uh, but it's Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 31. It says, the, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise and go toward the south. Unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was running, or was returning, and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and he heard and had and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" 
And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So I want to challenge you this morning. What is the Lord asking you to do? There is always a specific reason why he asks us to do something. You know, we see in the verses before that Philip was already sharing the gospel. We, if you, you know, go up to, we see in verses four through eight that Philip was proclaiming the gospel in Samaria before he was told by the Holy Spirit to go minister to the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was doing the work of the Lord when the Holy Spirit told him to go. And then there's a key thing. In verse 30, it says he ran thither to him. Now, I'm going to be very honest. When the Lord started showing us that we're supposed to move to Mfue, I didn't run. I questioned because we were we were comfortable where we were at. You know, we've been there for two years. We had a house in the village. You know, we had a ministry. We had, you know, things. David had friends. You know, my, my three-year-old actually had friends in the village. So I didn't run. But the Lord, just like I was explaining, sharing with a gentleman out there, Mfue kept coming up and kept coming up. So when we were in, we went to Mfue in July and scouted it out. And there were three people who accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there was, they were a Seventh-day Advent and then two people that were at the New Apostolic Church. They had, just like Joseph that I was explaining to you before, they had never heard the gospel laid out from from the book of Romans. The Romans road, which, you know, we would think is, is, you know, the simple gospel. There was always a reason why the Lord asked us to do something. You know, when when we were going to uh, um, going to the field originally with Dan and Janice, the Lord used uh, Acts 16 verses 6 through 10. Where Paul is pursuing where he is to go next to share the gospel. You know, back when, before when we were, uh, when we were going to the, going to Zambia the first time, you know, I knew the Lord was calling me to do something. I just didn't know what. And Acts 16 verses 6 through 10 is what we had, uh, what the, the proof text of our missions conference, uh, that year was. And, and the Lord it spoke to me very plainly. Let me read this uh, verse to you. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they had come down to Messiah, they aside to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah and come down to Trios, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over, to Mas- come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. See, God showed me at that time before we went to Zambia originally that Paul did not sit back and wait on the doors to open for him to walk through. You know, I don't know about you in the Midwest, but us fine southerners. We hear, I hear this, this, uh, this saying all the time. And it's normally with their hands crossed like this. I'm just sitting back and waiting on the Lord to open up a door for me. And if we read this, these, this text right here, the greatest missionary other than Jesus Christ himself did not do that. 
He pursued the door and let the Holy Spirit either keep them open or shut them. So this time when we when this door was opened for us to plant the church in Mfue, obviously, like I was explaining, even further out of our comfort zone. You know, the last two times with Dan and Janice and and joining this other ministry down here in in the southern province. These were both ministries that were already established. They were already men that had been on the field for several years. But now the Lord was calling us to, to come out of our comfort zone, which he often does. But it's clear that the Lord is leading us to plant the church and ministry in the Machinga province by planting the model church in Mfue. So this is an open door. We have to keep moving. To go to the next uh, verse right there. So this is one of my, my life verses, if you can, if you call it that. It says a man, Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord will direct or directeth his steps. One thing it's very hard for the Lord to do is to direct your, to direct our steps if we're not stepping. You know, what, before I, uh, went into vocational ministry, I worked at a, uh, I was a service advisor at a Ford dealership. You know, the person when you get your, take your vehicle in and it's broke that you just love to talk to. And, um, but often they would get towed in. They get towed in because they don't work. And we would push them, you know, have to push them into the shop. And, you know, I remember getting in and, and trying to turn the steering wheel when, when we were pushing it in, when it was stationary, it was incredibly hard to turn. But the faster it got going, the faster they were pushing it, the easier it was to turn. And our lives are much like that. When we are stationary, it's hard for, for, for the Lord to direct us. He's not going to break our free will. He didn't break our free will and force us to, to get saved. And he's not going to break our free will to serve him. So the, the, if we're stationary, it's hard to maneuver us. But the, the faster... And the more that we step towards him, the easier it is. So now we remember when, you know, in Acts 8 verse 30, it said that Philip ran to the Ethiopian. Philip was definitely letting the Lord direct his steps. Now the question we need to ask ourselves, are we doing it daily? So I want to go to this, this last verse right here, and it's very well, well known. Um, I'm actually surprised that no one at Mission Focus used this verse. It's ironic. It's very few and far between that you're at a missions conference and you don't see this verse. Acts, Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And it wasn't until... I was actually preaching a missions conference um, in in Zambia just bef- shortly before we came at Livingston Fundamental Baptist Church in Livingston. Um, I noticed that it's and and not or. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Lord was challenging me, you know, I'm a missionary in Zambia. I have moved across the world to the uttermost parts of the earth. But what that meant was I had moved my residence to Zambia. 
and my ministry was my my Jerusalem. And he was challenging me, what is your Judea? What is your Samaria? What is your now uttermost parts of the earth? Because Zambia is not uttermost parts of the earth when you live there. And I don't know about yours, but my Bible says the same thing yours does. You know, and I, I've known about this church for, for several years now. And I know y'all are involved in all four of these. And as a church, y'all, are, y'all do an amazing job, which is very rare that you have all, all four of those hit. You know, we go to, you know, we've been to 23 churches in three months. And what you see is many churches either at one side of the spectrum or the other. They have all of their stuff in, in their Jerusalem and they don't do anything in the uttermost. And then, ironically, you have some churches that have all of their stuff in the, in the Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth and they don't do anything locally. My home church used to be one of them. We were all over the world, but we were not in Decatur. And it was very well known that. Now that has definitely changed in the, in the past several years to where we have got this down. But what I want to challenge you at, and what the Lord challenged me, is where are you involved personally? Because it's great if your church is involved in that, but where are you involved personally? Because this is the same question that the Lord asked me when I was preparing uh, to preach that missions conference in uh, back in July. Is where are you involved with this great commission personally? So I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to come. And this is uh, how you can um, keep up with us. All of that information is on our prayer cards out front. And uh, just... If you want to grab one, you can keep up with us. Um, when we're on the field, I try to do a what's called a, a Monday report. Um, it's basically just a short thing of what happened, the praises that happened the week before, and the prayer request of the of the very next week um, to try to help people that that do pray that that do pray for us a you know a real time you know prayer request. You know, so they, they understand what's going on right then. So I just uh, wanted to thank Pastor Brian and, and the church for letting us come and share a little bit about what we've been doing in Zambia and what we're going to. Thank you very much. Amen. Well, I appreciate Justin and Mandy coming and sharing the ministry, and, and uh, I like how he was challenging, sharing his life. He, he snuck a message in there, didn't he, on uh, on the need to obey the call of God. And uh, I do hope you guys understand that in a church like ours, uh, we have an institute and we're uh, we're training people, uh, discipleship one, discipleship two, and HBI. That's our that's our you know the infrastructure that we use. But ultimately, we got to have people that are faithful to the call. Uh, the call to reach our Jerusalem right here. We're going to have a call going out in the new year. We're going to need people to man the ministry, the soccer ministry, right? We're going to have to do that, not have to. We get to do that again. That was a success. Uh, and you think, yeah, some people did that last year. Well, guess what? That could be you. We need you to do that. And we need people to get ready to take trips. And uh, we're, we're planning on trips to, um, uh, you know, Boston again and Oaxaca and other places like Romania and uh, and so on and so forth. So you'll be hearing about more of that on the 7th. But 
uh, man, there's a lot of things that, that God needs us to do. There's places to go, but ultimately, what's God doing in your heart in regard to obedience in the call, right? And so as we, we're going to look back here in just a few minutes and observe the Lord's Supper and look back on what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago and remember that because we're commanded to do that. And what are we really looking at? We're looking at the fact that Jesus gave everything uh, to redeem us. I mean, that's what we're seeing and that uh, in the midst of a time when the disciples themselves didn't fully grasp what was going on, uh, Jesus illustrated with his example, um, you know, what it was going to take uh, to to advance God's mission, and that was sacrifice. And he became, of course, our sacrifice for sin and shed his blood for us. And so we praise God for that. And, and so obviously the disciples clued in on that after he resurrected, and, and they got on board and, and got started with this mission right here. And one of the reasons we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper is not just to look back, but also to prepare ourselves to go forward, because that's how we go forward. If we're going to be successful in accomplishing the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God, uh, by the grace of God, it's going to be by really uh, embodying what Jesus set forth as an example. And when his father called him and said, go, go, where did he go? Well, he went, to, we just celebrated Christmas. He, he came and was born of a woman. He came to this earth, completely different, right, from what he created in the beginning when he spoke the world into existence, and uh, and then it was wrecked by sin. Uh, and, and so what did he do? He came on a rescue mission. He came to save us. He came as a Savior, and we celebrate that at Christmas. But we also know he's coming as judge, right? The, the other side of the resurrection is that Jesus Christ will return. And when he returns, he will come back, and he will execute justice and judgment, and he will tread upon the grapes of wrath, right? And that's coming too. And in the meantime, what's in the middle? Well, we are. With this mission, this great commission, right, that we got to do together, and we got to do it under the authority of the Scripture, as Justin pointed out, uh, the local New Testament church, right, and the Spirit of God, and of course, most importantly, the words of God. You know, obeying what God says. And man, I tell you what, that's how He uses us to accomplish His mission, uh, and it starts right in each and every one of our lives. And it starts with just the fundamentals of what we're doing, blocking and tackling, right, and and. Uh, Sports analogy with all the bowl games and, and everything, and Chiefs are playing today, right? And they don't know how to block the tackle. But anyway, that's another story. Um, that was bad. I'm sorry. I revealed I'm a Fairweather fan, evidently. I could go off on that. But anyway, they could do better. But it's always the fundamentals, isn't it? It's just the basics. Um, and Justin and Mandy, they're doing the, they're doing what they learned in Decatur, uh, what Jay, Jay, his father in the Lord taught him as a disciple. And then, and I think Jay, he was, you were, he was involved in both of your lives. What a blessed thing that is. These are guys of the product that just a basic discipleship one type of investment in a couple of people in, and, uh, that I bet when you started discipleship, you weren't thinking about missions in, in Africa and, uh, got saved during discipleship started. You're a good Southern religious guy. Yeah, yeah. We got those up here too. Uh, the, the, the folks in the church that never heard the gospel or received the gospel. Yeah. That may be you this morning. Thank you for bringing that up. Because as we conclude and get ready to transition, it could be that, like, you're, I know it's Christmas Eve, and I don't know, and I didn't see a lot of guests raising their hands, but what did I say Christmas Eve? New Year's Eve. Thank you. Pray for me. It's been a long week. But... Uh, but, uh, you know, really, it's possible that, that you can't accomplish God's mission in regard to the Great Commission because you've never received the gospel. And uh, as you all know, that's really where it starts. That's actually my, my heart every, every given Sunday. If you're here this morning and uh, 
you know, kind of what we're talking about is really big and conceptual. You kind of get maybe get the heart of God. But ultimately, you need to know this. The heart of God is actually for you. That's why Jesus came. He came for you, and it's an individual um, it's an individual relationship, and he wants to know you in a very personal way. And there's not a better way to end 2023 and start uh, 2024 than to come to the place in your life where you settle your salvation on the Word of God. Uh, the Bible is, in essence, your birth certificate. And you may not know it or not, but your name's written in here. It is, it, it, it is, it is in here. Uh, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you become saved, the Bible says, and you are a Christian. But the, you can't have faith. We, we just heard it. You got to hear a preacher. Uh, you hear the you hear the gospel, the good news. That's what that means. I thought it was like music or something. No, gospel just simply means good news. And when you hear that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, that He died on the cross and was buried for your sin, and He rose again the third day, that's the key. He's alive right now. And I know what it's like to be lost, having all of those facts in my head, but have never actually made the connection. But the God of heaven that sits at the right hand of the Father wants to dwell in your heart. There has to be a point in your, time, in your life where you simply call upon the name of the Lord. You literally say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I recognize you died on the cross, not just for the sins of the world, yes, but you died on the cross for me. And I receive that gift of eternal life. And then God will quicken you. He will save you. He will come into your heart. And you will know, boom, you are born again. You are connected uh, you are you have the Christ in you the hope of glory You're a new creature in Christ the moment you call upon the name of the Lord So if you've not done that, I want to encourage you to do that even now Let's go to the Lord in prayer heavenly father as we conclude this time and in, in prayer lord We thank you for the things that we've heard from justin and The example that he is of